This morning, if you turn in your Bibles to James chapter 4, we continue on here. James chapter 4, verse 6. But he gives us more grace. That is why Scripture says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Come near to God, and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up. Lord, we come before your word this day. We open ourselves up to you to speak as only you can speak. Lord, help us to seek you in this and not just make this a religious exercise or some service we need to sit through, but to recognize you, the Lord of the universe, the King of glory, is here in our midst. To meet with each of us. So Lord speak. Move. Draw us. Into a closer relationship. That doesn't just. End when we walk. Back out through those doors. But just begins. Right here right now. In your name we pray. Amen. We're in a three-part message. Not three-part series. We're in James. But we're in a three-part message called Humbling Before Healing. Last week we looked at the first part about uh, verse 7 where it says, Submit yourselves then to God. You know, it's about surrendering to Christ as Lord. It's making that first step and humbling ourselves about coming completely to God. And this week we look at verse 8, where as we begin it, it says, Come near to God and He will come near to you. This coming near, this drawing near to God, it parallels in Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. Many of you have heard, we've talked about, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and seek my face to seek my face is to draw near that's the the similarities between that in fact i was just reading this week i wasn't aware that uh, oftentimes this passage this part in james is called the second chronicles seven fourteen of the new testament and hopefully you can understand that what we're talking about is coming closer to god and that it's not just emphasizing a religion of God, but it is emphasizing a relationship with God. From the very beginning, with Adam and Eve, before sin entered the world, with Adam and Eve, the whole point was that they 
walked and talked with God in the garden. It wasn't all the stuff, many of the stuff that we have now, but it was simply just that relationship with God. And even Jesus says in John 17, verse 3, in talking about what it's really all about, he says, this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. This is what eternal life is about. It's about knowing God. It's about the relationship. And now here in verse 8, he commands us to draw near to God. And obviously in a command that is saying draw near to God implies that we're not as close as we can be or should be. I mean, if you're already there, you don't need to draw near. So obviously we need to draw near. In fact, many of us recognize that in our life because there are those who would say, you're not as close to God as you once were. You're not as close to God as you once were a year ago or five years ago or 10 years ago or 50 years ago. And so the message today that we need to grab a hold of is come closer to God. That's that step in humbling ourselves is to come closer to God. And it begins, that first point that we have this morning, let's grab a hold of a passion that presses into God. You see, coming closer to God is not something that just happens without getting serious, without being intentional in actually pressing in closer to God. Too often, though, there's very little passion. We're just passive as it has to do with coming closer to God. We're just kind of sit there, and it's just supposed to happen to us. There is very little that we think we can do about coming closer to God. In fact, we treat coming to closer to God kind of like a mother may I. Are you with me? Except it's father may I. It's kind of like we're saying, Father, may I take one giant step closer to you? And in our minds, we're thinking he's going to say no. But occasionally he'll say, okay, you can take one baby step closer to me if you're good. And that's our picture. Sometimes of the father and coming closer to him, God is not stopping us from coming closer to him. Yes, at times there are barriers between us and God, but it's not God, it's us. It's us in ourself not surrendering. It's us having to be in control. It's us too often fighting within ourselves, trying to draw near to God, when at the same time, there's a part of us that wants to pull back from God. It's like, okay, God, I really, really want to come near to you. God, I really want to, I really want to, but we just won't let go of that spot we're in right here with the foot. We really are holding back. And for some, we're just living in rebellion to God because we know what we should be doing and we don't do it. I, I, I think about this. How is it possible to think that we are actually going to get closer to God and keep our distance at the same time? Now, for some of you, this doesn't apply. It doesn't make sense. But, you know, for some it does is that there's a sense that, yeah, I want to get closer to God, but there's also this sense that I'm trying to keep my distance just a little bit. There can be unresolved issues in our 
in our soul that God has tried to deal with you about in the past that is blocking and stopping your freedom to press forward. There can even be strongholds of Satan that need to be broken to move us closer. But of course, the biggest barrier between us and God, keeping us from getting closer to him, is sin. Isaiah 59, surely the arm of the Lord is not too short to save, nor his ear too dull to hear. But your iniquities have separated you from your God. Your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. You know, it, it's like this. It's, we, we think that we can just hold on to our sin and walk right in and get closer to God. I'm just using a snow shovel to represent our sin because for some people, snow is a four-letter word. Um, or we can think of it positively. God wants us to be as white as snow, right? But, but there's that sense that, you know, okay, I'm going to walk. I want to get closer to God. I really do. But we're still holding on to this sin. And so as we try to enter through the door into his presence, all of a sudden it's like, oh, oh, uh, Okay, God, I really want to come close. I'm trying. Here, wait a minute. Wait, 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 God. I think I got it. And then, boom, you know, and then it's like, okay, I really, uh, it doesn't work that way. We get stuck in the doorway and we can't carry our sin and get closer to God at the same time. And oftentimes we don't think it's such a big problem. We say, well, pastor, what I'm carrying is not as big as that shovel. I got a tiny shovel. You know what? Sin, all sin is the same size to God. All sin was big enough to drive the nails into Jesus' hands on that cross. As long as we hang on to it, we are not getting any closer. Part of that we'll deal with next week as we look at our communion and a prayer event of really seeking God in that way. I think that many of you grasp that truth, those who are here and those who are at home. But one truth that for some reason we may have heard but I, that we have not grabbed a hold of is the truth that we've got to want this. We've got to want to get closer to God. Kind of like Paul in Philippians when he says, what is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. The righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ. Can you hear the passion in his voice? Uh, can you hear what is really going on there? Sometimes we just read it passionless. We read it without thinking what he's saying. I want to know Christ. Yes. To know the power of his resurrection and participation in his suffering. Coming like him in his death. Do we really want to press in closer to God? Because that's what he's saying to us. Draw near. Come close. 
Not out of curiosity, not out of to try to get some novel experience that we had. Oh, wow, that was just amazing. But to press into the presence of God in a relationship that is closer. Do we hunger and thirst for God? Like Psalm 42. And David says, as the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. Where can I go and meet with God? Are we pressing in closer with a desperate passion that consumes us, that that, that consumes our time, that consumes our effort? Are we like Psalm 63 a little bit later? You, God, are my God. Earnestly I seek you. Earnestly I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you in a dry and parched land where there is no water. Folks, this is not religion. And if this makes no sense to you and you don't have anything a part of it, then maybe all you've got is religion. It's about a relationship to draw near to him, closer. And maybe at one time we passionately pursued the presence of God. But like what happens in marriages, you know, you start with the engagement and the honeymoon phase, the phase of great wonder and desire just to be together all the time. Can we just be together all the time? You know, as if this is just what you want. And then over time, what happens? We get distracted. We become all too, too familiar, whatever. We settle into a long-term relationship with God that no longer chases after him, but rather takes for granted that relationship and it becomes cold, old, and lifeless. Jesus talks about that. In Revelation chapter 2, as you see on the screen, I know your deeds, your hard work, and your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked people, that you have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not. I mean, Jesus is saying, listen, you've got a lot of things going for you. There are good things. Don't misunderstand as we're talking about this this morning that in any way it's about coming and condemning us or trying to make us feel bad about this. It's not about that. There are good things. There are things, but... He says, and and found them false. You have persevered. You have endured hardship for my name. And you have not grown weary. Yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love you had at first. Consider how far you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. If you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. To restore that first love. Some are not only not moving closer to God, but sliding back away from God. But I think even more dangerous than that are those who, in their relationship with God, it's not less, it's just the same. It's there. I'm not saying that it's a completely bad thing. To be the same unless the reality is that is because we're stuck and we have settled for less of God. 
We don't call it that. Instead, we say we're content, right? We're content with a Goldilocks happy medium that is neither too hot or too cold. But that's not something Jesus is happy with. Unfortunately, what happens is there are other things that we've got to burn that are really burning on our hearts and minds. There are other things that are just consuming us, lessening and dividing our passion for God. There are other things uh, of which many of which we can do absolutely nothing about. And yet it's still burning away. Let me just ask, is it possible we are not drawing nearer to the inner room with God because we are so preoccupied with the stuff happening in the outer courts and beyond. I want us to really think about this question on the screen. Is it possible that we are not drawing nearer to that inner room with God because we're so preoccupied with the stuff happening in the outer courts and beyond? Other things that we care about almost as much as God. I mean, we wouldn't say that, but the reality is in the amount of time and effort we spend on it, yes. Things we're worrying about that we should have already trusted God for. Things that have cooled off our hearts. Things like Jesus talks about in the next chapter in Revelation. I know your deeds that you're neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot or cold, I am about to spit you out of my mouth. What are those other things, even good things in our life that are taking the edge off, so to speak, from our hunger for God? I think many of you, uh, uh, even it's, it's been going on for a long time on TV, have probably seen Snickers commercials. I like Snickers. But you know what that's what they, they were about is like, oh man, you know, yeah, you, you can't eat, but you know, you, you need to take the edge off, buddy. You need to this, this, and just kind of be able. What are our Snickers bars in life that are lessening our hunger for God? Lessening our passion for his presence. If we think about it like any other relationship, how can we get closer if we're never really with God other than for a little bit on a Sunday? And if that's just an obligatory good thing that we're supposed to do each week, how is that the relationship going to get closer? What about the rest of the week? What about the rest of our lives? Do we do more than just throw up a thank you at the big meals where we're supposed to pray, you know? And I know what often happens is people come to talk with me about this. One of the most common things is said, well, I'm just too busy to do it. I don't know how I'm supposed to do this. I'm just too busy. Well, there's an answer for that. If you're too busy for that, you know what that means? That means you're too busy. I know that kind of sounds simple, but that's really what it means. God's plan for our life would not be for us to be too busy for him. That should just be like, duh. God's will, God's plan for our life was never and will never be that we are too busy for him that we are going to spend eternity with. 
He commands us to draw near, to come closer. And that doesn't mean that you just have one really good uh, uh, service that you go to or one really good long time with God and, and think that we've arrived. A relationship requires time over time, not just a time in, in a specific time and place, but over time as you draw closer and closer. Coming closer to God will cost us. That is part of the humbling that we talked about last week of completely coming to God, all in, pressing in closer with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind, with all our strength. Is it possible to come to God half-heartedly? I mean, just think about that. How do you come closer to God half-heartedly? Where's the other half of your heart, so to speak? You can't, it doesn't work that way. We've got to be all in in this and let's encourage one another in that. Let's talk about it. Let's, let's encourage one another to press in. Let's encourage one another to help to fan the flames of the passion to seek hard after God. That's something our, our, our life group has been talking about just recently. Is there a, a daily devotion in our life that goes beyond a daily crumb that is a significant time with God in conversational prayer, listening to God speak to us in his word? Even Jesus got away regularly. And by himself, spent time with the Father. Even Jesus had to do that. How much more us? So we think about this. What I'm talking about is not some religious hoops that we have to jump through so that we can get a closer spot with Jesus. But what are the ways that bring us closer in our relationship with Him? Not just to have some religious ramblings or not just to get caught up like, what are the right words, the religious right words I'm supposed to use? You know, don't, don't worry about that. If we want to get closer, we need to have heart-to-heart talks with God. Like David, who is a man after God's own heart, you read the Psalms, that's some real stuff there. You read it, I mean, he's just being real with God. And sometimes we don't really know what or how to pray. Maybe just go to the Psalms and just start going through and finding what connects with what your heart and where you're at and, and to be able to pray in a pattern modeled after that. Let's think about what type of prayer communication brings us closer to God. For example, and I know not all of you do this, but some may have done this or know people that have, how close would you be to that special store shopper that you send your grocery list to who gathers up things in the store and then delivers them out to you in your waiting car? How close are we to that person? In other words, what I'm saying, do we treat our conversations with God like he's a special shopper for us? We need to recognize that there is a difference between seeking God's hand and what he can do for us and what we need. And he wants us to. Don't misunderstand. But there is a difference between seeking God's hand and seeking God's face. I mean, think about it. Even with us and our relationships here on earth, how close can you really be in a relationship with a person who you never get to talk? I mean, they do a lot of talking, 
you you do a lot of listening, but there's never really a place to talk. There's not even really a question to ask you about how you're doing or what's going on. There, there isn't there. And I mean, you could be friends with somebody like that, but how close can your friendship be if one side is doing all the talking? So too with God. As we think about this, to draw nearer to God is to be still and know that He is God. To be quiet enough in His presence that we, in a sense, hear His voice. Close enough to hear that still, small voice. In fact, get close enough even to hear His heartbeat for the things that His heart beats for. To be quiet enough if, and if we can't hear that, to be quiet enough to start to hear, as we're seeking this, to start to hear the rumblings, so to speak, of our hunger pains for God. And as we spend that quiet time with Him and, and just sitting with Him and hearing instead of doing all the talking, uh, to then break forth into worship, a worship that connects with God's heart. Not looking for that song that really blesses you with this great feeling of, of closeness to God, but looking for something that will bless Him. I, I think of the song, and I, I don't use this as a song that we're supposed to sing, but as an illustration. I think of the song, I Love You, Lord. Any of you <clears throat> have heard that, you know? I love you, Lord, and I lift my voice to worship you, oh, my soul, rejoice, take joy, my King, in what you hear. May be a sweet, sweet sound in your ear. You see, what I'm talking about is that it's not about the song or even the words. It's about what the words is communicating that take joy, my king. You take joy, not me in the worship. You take joy. May what... I'm saying, may this worship be a sweet, sweet sound in your ears. That's a relationship that is pressing in with a passion to God about Him, not about us. Obviously, one of the great ways that we can sit and listen to God and thereby draw nearer to Him is through the Word of God. Our Bibles is where God speaks to us. Again, this is not a requirement that we just check off the list. Okay, I did my Bible today. Now I can take one step closer to God. That's not what that's about. But the Bible is active and alive. It's not some dry, dead, religious, required reading. And unfortunately, those who grasp that have in a churchianity taken it and elevated it too far so that the study of God's word becomes more an indicator of how spiritual you are as a spiritual you are as a Christian but that doesn't always bear itself out even though we can feel good about our Christianity as we're studying the word we don't necessarily feel closer to God 
Instead, to do that, we're looking for the next great study, whether it be some group or some next great preacher on, on TV or radio. It just leads us just to think of how good a Christian churchianity we have. Because look at all the studies we're doing. Please hear me. I'm not saying that it's wrong to study God's word. It can be real good. But what I'm saying is we are missing it at times when we've allowed the means, we've allowed the means to become the ends. And stop short of drawing nearer to God. We can be in so many Bible studies, listen to so many preachers that we are hearing what everybody else is getting from the Word of God, food passed on to us that's already been chewed, so to speak. And yet we rarely take time to get into the Word of God ourselves and nothing else, no one else. To just sit down with God and allow Him to speak through these words to you. Have you ever picked up your Bible to come closer to God and just start reading until God spoke to you? And so God connected with you. And then to stay seated there and biblically meditate, think over, chew on, talk over with God what he just broke through about to you. We can too easily end up making the end goal to know the word of God better. But we've not actually come out knowing the God of the word any better. Other than a few new facts we didn't know. In fact, we can be so much more excited about learning something that we never knew than we are about opening the Bible as an encounter with the living God, that these are his very alive and active words to us right now, right here. These are his words. He's speaking. I want to hear him. What is it that we're actually, uh, put this on the screen. What is it? that we are actually hungering and thirsting after when we open up the word of God and when we pray. What really are we thirsting after? We've got to get beyond religious habits and get real if we're going to get closer. Have a passion that presses into God, which leads us to the, the second point is the grab a hold of God's promise to press in nearer to us. Remember verse 8, come near to God and and he will come near to you. God's asking us to seek him because he wants to be found. God wants us to come closer, but more than that, he wants to come closer to us. Man, that should be exciting to hear. It goes both ways. It's not just us coming. He wants to come closer to us. And and that's not some rare special happening to the super spiritual Christians. This is what should be normal. It says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. God wants to be more than casual friends. And his promise is he will come closer to us as well. I, I wonder if there's some that, that in talking about this, 
have been brought up in a religious way of thinking that this whole talk about a relationship, this whole talk about communing with God, getting closer, just seems like a, a newfangled thing that's getting away from what Christianity is about. And yet I already shared verses even in the introduction of this message to talk about that relationship of knowing God. Uh, but more than that, I, I wonder if at times it's us who have in the, gotten away from what real Christianity is about even within the last 50 years. I was reading something interesting the other day that came from J.I. Packer about the Puritans. The Puritans are uh, often misunderstood and mischaracterized. Um, they were around hundreds of years ago. Anyway, he was comparing Christianity then, during their time and now. And J.I. Packer said the Puritans differ from evangelicals today because with them, communion with God was a great thing. But to us today, it is a comparatively small thing. The Puritans were concerned about communion with God in a way that we are not. By the way, when we're talking about communion, we're not talking about the bread and the cup and all that, right? We're talking about communing closer, coming closer, being with God uh, in a relationship. And so he said, when Christians meet today, when Christians meet, they talk to each other about their Christian work and Christian interests, and Christian acquaintances, the state of churches, and problems of theology, but rarely of their daily experience of God. Packer goes on to talk about John Owen, one of the great Puritans, and his experience of communion with God. He wrote, when he was sick one time, he wrote a letter to a friend in 1674, and he says this, Christ is our best friend. 1674. See, this talk is not something that just suddenly started. Christ is our best friend, and ere long will be our only friend. I pray God with all my heart that I may be weary of everything else but converse and communion with Him. God used the illness, He used the pressures of life at that time to drive Him closer to God. As we're pressing closer to God, he presses closer to us. And there are all kinds of examples of that. Like Moses, when he met God at the burning bush in Exodus chapter 3. You see these scriptures here. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals for the place where you are standing is holy ground. And he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. I see, here's the thing in this burning bush encounter with God. Moses did draw closer to God than he had been before this happened. There was definitely a, a him stepping up and coming closer to God. But there was also a sense that God, by coming down, so to speak, with this burning bush, God came closer to Moses than he had been before this. It was an amazing encounter. And yet there was more. This would not be as close as they would get. There is more. There is closer that we can be with God. When we say that we seek his face, his presence is what we're saying. We seek his face. The face is what 
who rep, rep, what represents who somebody is. You can't always tell by looking at the back, but if somebody turns around and you see their face, you recognize who they are. To know God. Getting close enough to see his face. As we think about this relationship in Exodus 3 here, Moses hid his face in the presence of the Lord. Yet we know down the road, Moses drew into a much closer relationship with God. Even as far as God was concerned, it was so much more. God saw the relationship as closer. It's this same Moses who hid his face from God then is talked about in Exodus thirty-three eleven. Thus the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks with his friend. Not hiding his face, but looking face to face with God. And it went even beyond that because we know just beyond this, Moses says, show me your glory. Talk about close. Show me your glory. The, the reality is at the burning bush, Moses would never have asked for that. He wouldn't even imagine that that was possible to ask for, show me your glory. But see, that's what it is with us and God. So I'm trying to say this is not about not just, oh, you're bad because you're not close enough. That's not it. I'm saying there is more. There is closer. And what Moses came to know as he got closer to God, he could see that there was even more that he could get closer. There was even closer that he would come. And it just continued to open up and realize coming even more and more and more, pressing in with a passion closer and closer to God. Here's a question for you. Have we been settling for just an occasional burning bush encounter with God and missing what he really wants in a closer face-to-face relationship? I know we've talked about this before. God wants more of us. We should want more of him. Don't just stand there. Move. Draw near to God. He will draw near to you. And you may not realize that once you make that step, there is more that will open up. Because God has provided a way for us to come closer. In times past, you couldn't get this close, so to speak. We were separated from God because of our sin. Even in the old worship, as a high priest would come once a year, the atonement uh, into the Holy of Holies and get closer to God, they had to be careful to tie a rope around his leg because if he would die in there, nobody can go in there. You had to pull him back out. But see, that's different now because Jesus, through his death, covered over our sins for all, and he tore that dividing curtain apart, making access to the Father. We read about that in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19, and, and other places. Verse 19, therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way open for us through the curtain that is his body. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart. Do you hear that? Since we have that, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience. And having our bodies washed with pure water. 
And unfortunately, there are, there are those who do not draw nearer to God because they just don't believe they can get any closer. Not because they've, uh, they're proud and think they've already gotten close enough. Actually, it's just they are the, the opposite. They think they're not worthy. I have not proved myself to God enough to somehow get closer, a closer place, so to speak. And these same people often feel like it doesn't matter what I do, whatever it will, it will never be enough. It will never be enough. I'll never really get close to God. And yet if we humble ourselves before God, if we confess our sins, turn from them, we should not allow shame and guilt to keep us from coming closer to God. Rather, we should come near to God, especially in those times, so that we might find the healing from that shame and guilt. To find that His arms are open wide, it, rather it's our arms somehow that are just kind of keeping Him away at a distance, not humbling ourselves, receiving His forgiveness and His love, rather getting caught up in a religion that is based on our performance that determines how close we can get with God. The truth is, we're talking about who is worthy to get closer. None of us. You might feel like you're not worthy, but guess what? None of us are. But our worth is not dependent upon what we do, but was always determined by what was done, was already determined by what was done for us on the cross. That's where worth is determined. So ultimately, God drawing near to us is not dependent upon who we are or what we do. It's dependent upon who God is. God loves us because God is love. Not because we're lovable. That's a good place for an amen. But here it is. I finish with this verse where we need to be and we're just to take some time here now let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need come closer get a passion to press into his presence come closer and he will come closer to you so what we're going to do is just take a moment a few moments of of just silence before him. Of you just to, to listen, to, to hear his voice, to hear somehow I'm speaking, maybe just to remind you something that was just said uh, within this message today, something in the words that were there. And maybe as we're not hearing something, maybe what we need is just to ask the Holy Spirit to create a deeper and greater hunger and thirst for him, for God in this moment now. We not, may not be there yet, but we need to have that hunger thirst that will help us to be there, to come closer, that we would see that there is more. And for us in that, maybe even today, right now, in this moment, to receive the fact that God wants to come closer to you. The worship team can come, but we're just going to be quiet before him for a few moments.
Lord, I thank you that this is real. This is not about some religion, but about a real relationship with you that is not just about somehow beginning and meeting you, but it is about walking with you and talking with you and listening to you. It's about drawing nearer to you as you ask us. And we thank you that you promised to draw near to us. Lord, I, I pray that you would help us as we sing this last song, that it would be a prayer. And in fact, I, I know that this last song in some ways is a, a transition between today and next week in our time of communion and prayer with you. Of seeking that humbling before the healing to come. So set us free to truly make this the prayer of our heart burn within us this. In your name, Jesus. Amen.